You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. On the fake, Rodgers lets it fly. Has Watson. He's got it on his feet and he's in for the touchdown. That might be the biggest catch of this young receiver's career. Christian Watson, you can see him. It's just press man. They talk about his speed, his ability to get behind the defense. It's just a matter of can he catch it. That's a great job tracking the ball. He just took a big sigh of relief. Look at his buddies greeting him on the sideline, man. That's got to feel good. What's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. And today's show, we are going to break down the running back room. You know, we uh, this last episode, we kind of went into the quarterback room. We talked a little bit about, you know, the, the looming decision of Aaron Rodgers here, that which should come probably immediately following the Super Bowl, maybe a week or two after, definitely well before free agency starts. So we kind of went into the quarterback room and talked about some different scenarios and and really how that could all play out. Well, today we're going to break down the running back room because I think it's going under the radar quite a bit. You know, outside of just the uh, the comments that people have made, uh, some who are just saying, just cut Aaron Jones, cut Aaron Jones, trade him, whatever, just get rid of him. He's too much cap hit. Um, outside of that, there's not been a whole lot of talk about, hey, what's the future of the running back room in Green Bay? Because, you know, Aaron Jones has had statistically his best year of his career, in my opinion, you know, rushing for the most yards and, of course, averaging over five yards a carry once again. I honestly don't look at touchdowns much. I mean, touchdowns, obviously, that's how you win games, right? Um, you got to score more than your opponent. I completely understand that, completely agree with it. But that doesn't necessarily show you how effective a running back is. What I mean by that, someone would look at, Aaron Jones's touchdowns this year, and they think, oh, he wasn't productive at all. But then you look at his yards per carry and cracking 1,100 yards, you know, at 5.1 a pop, I believe is what it was. Um, and he actually entered some uh, entered some rare air there, um, you know, with uh, being, I think it was uh, in, the, in the same ballpark as Gil Sayers and, and a couple other people that just it's unbelievable um, what he's done now. I think he's done that three or four years. Um, in his career where he's averaged five year or five yards per carry. Um, so to me, it's that's what matters. I mean, we've seen he didn't get a whole lot of red zone opportunities. You know, we, we like to throw A.J. Dillon in there in the red zone. When I say red zone, I, I really mean inside the five, those goal line situations. 
You're trying to work the RPO in, which worked great the first quarter of the season. Teams caught on. They really started sugaring, taking that RPO away, causing some confusion. The Packers adjust on the backside. Nonetheless, what happens is you get a lower touchdown number for Aaron Jones. But the production, the productivity is right there in the yards per carry, in my opinion. It is, it's one of the few positions where you can look at that stat and go, that right there is the most important stat a running back can have. How many yards does he get on average per carry? Period. You know, you, you guys hear me talk about points per play, both on offense and defense. To me, that's the perfect gauge of how good a, an overall offensive unit or an overall defensive unit is. Um, I kind of look at yards per carry for running backs the same exact way. So um, we're going to dive into the running back room. We're going to talk about Aaron Jones and the structure of his contract, how we can make it work, what we think the Packers may or may not do. Again, guys, I'm not sitting here trying to sound smart. When I break this stuff down, it's a learning experience for me as well. Um, I'm, I'm getting a bunch of messages on Twitter where people are saying, hey, man, I seen you on the Matt Ram- uh, seen you on, on YouTube with Matt Ramage and Rob from uh, Green Bay Packers Daily. And, bro, they're spot on. You know exactly what you're talking about, all this stuff. I really appreciate the kind words, but I want everybody to understand when I talk about this stuff, it's not to try to sound like a professional. It's not to sound elegant. It's not to uh, try to go on Twitter and go, look, guys, I understand the cap better than the average fan. That's not the point. As we all dive into it, we can learn together and figure out exactly how the cap works, right? Now, it just so happens I've been watching football for a very long time. I'm a traditional business owner, so I'm a, I'm a numbers guy. That's just – that's the stuff I relate to, uh, that, and obviously uh, working hand-in-hand with people and, and uh, you know, those type of things. So, yeah, we're going to get into the running back room. It's going to be a lot of fun, too. Um, it's it's the thing that popped off the paper the most to me is the reason I picked that position. We're, we're not going to have time to do all the positions. I'm sure I'm going to be going out of the country on the 12th, so – it's going to be hard. I don't even know if I'll be able to do a podcast that whole week um, because I, I won't be back in the country for a full seven days. But the goal is to have my device with me to where I can actually uh, do a podcast while we're over there. And um, over there being uh, we're going into the Caribbean and and basically uh, hitting up a bunch of different islands and stuff. It's something I've never done. If you guys know me, I'm a homebody. Um, I love the mountains. Uh, I love camping. I love uh, just kind of kind of staying close to home. And yeah, so me going, you know, living the island life for seven days is, is going to be very interesting. Although when I went to the Dominican back in the day, man, I kicked and screamed. My wife drug me out. Of there. I was 23 years old at the time. She drug me out there. And I'm like, I, and there's so many places in the country I want to see. Why are we down here? Blah, blah, blah. By the third day, man, I've got my arm around the, the local cigar shop owner and we're, you know, <laughs> hanging out, listening to Dominican music and uh, I didn't want to come back. I really didn't. So we'll see what happens. But anyway, we're going to try to do a pod while we're down there. So uh, with that being said, let's just get into it. First things first, uh, we got a really cool Mason Crosby video I wanted to play. And the reason being is because Mason Crosby's been such a good Packer for so long. And, um, man, he's uh, he's just one of those guys. He's a stand-up guy. I love, I love the culture the Packers have created as far as you never hear anything negative coming out of there. I mean, the, the last negative instance we had was the Darius Smith getting arrested for weed, right? I mean, when you really think about it, I, I can't think of any other scenario where anyone did anything illegal. I mean, you hear people talk about Aaron Rodgers in the ayahuasca, you know, what he considers a medical treatment. I'm not saying I agree with that, but that's his own opinion. It's not illegal where he went and did that. I don't, you know, I'm not going to sit here and go, well, what about Rodgers? He's a drug addict. There was a lot of people spreading a lot of a lot of crazy, uh, crazy opinions around at the time that that happened. But that's neither here nor there. Um, so, yeah, you know, we've we've had a team full of good guys. Like I said, Z was the last one that really got in trouble. He 
it's funny he gets arrested then he comes out and claims that he he was the fall guy for his teammates and he wanted to be a good guy and he wanted to be the the leader and all this and then two years later he's complaining because he wasn't voted a team captain it kind of raises an alarm for me that he teammates didn't vote him team captain saying okay maybe they don't look at him as a leader then he whines about it goes to minnesota and uh, i think they're about to go through the same thing seeing that he completely disappeared there in the second half of the season but that's not our problem anymore let's talk about someone who is on our roster last year he was and you know the rumors are he's going to be back I hope it's the case because he was extremely accurate last year, and that's Mason Crosby. Obviously, he doesn't have the leg strength he used to. He, he's good from about 54 is about his range, in my opinion. He could probably hit 56. I think he hit one, then banged another off the crossbar. So I would say 54-ish is a pretty good range for him right now. But, man, when you get inside 50, he's uh, he's really tightened things up, especially with the emergence of Neil O'Donnell. Uh, Neil O'Donnell, listen to me, going back to the Steelers days. Pat O'Donnell <laughs> being the new holder. And Jack Coco completing that process of the uh, of the field goal operation, uh, being the long snapper. But let's uh, let's get into this video. This is from Packers.com, Green Bay Packers YouTube page as well. Uh, let's check this out about Mason Crosby. Mason Crosby for the win. Snap placement. Kick is up, and it yes! is good. Yes! Good, and there is your dagger. After hitting multiple game-winning field goals this past season, Mason Crosby now has a dozen to his name. Kick to the upright, and it is good! Mason Crosby has done it again! 51-yard field goal to win it for the Packers! Recording half of those walk-offs during the past four seasons under head coach Matt LaFleur. He's so reliable, so consistent. You can count on him no matter what the conditions are, whether they're good, bad. He's been great. Mason had an outstanding year this year. Um, was really clutch. He carried us in a few of those games. There's no doubt about it. For the win from 31, Crosby right down the middle. In week 16, the Packers' all-time leading scorer became the franchise record holder for consecutive games played. Crosby has played in 258 straight regular season contests, with 395 field goals made. He's converted more than 80% of those kicks and scored more than 1,900 points for the green and gold. And as for the postseason, Crosby has been lights out. 51 yards, field goal attempt, snap, placement, kick. so reliable he has been for so many years i love him yeah he's i've been locker mates with him on road games for so many years now and i just consider him obviously a close friend but someone who's just so reliable love it love it love it good stuff man yeah mason crosby's been one of those guys that uh of course we have another video fire right up i apologize for that mason crosby's been one of those guys that's just he just always Oh, man, um, always consistent. And when he has a down year, it seems like he, he's kind of on his heels and it's okay, what are they going to do? Um, he seems to to round, right? He always I – rem I remember when Mike McCarthy was here and he, uh, you know, he, he kind of had a bad year, Mason did, and they restructured his contract in a way like, okay, we need to adjust it. You got to hit incentives and all that. And, and the guy just came out and responded, right? right. So now here's the thing about Mason. 
he is going to play. He's made that very, very clear. He didn't announce any kind of retirement. He's posting videos of, you know, eating right, getting in shape, getting ready for another run here. Uh, but he's not under contract with the Packers, so he's set to be a, a free agent, obviously. Um, now, will the Packers sign him before he hits free agency? You know, it's tough because last year Mason Crosby was $4.7 million against the cap. He was the sixth highest cap hit amongst active kickers, right? And um, it's going to be it's going to be tough to bring him back for that price. I feel like the price range is somewhere between three and five million is probably his market value. I'm going to click on it here and see if we can get it to pull up and see exactly what his market value is if they have it. Looks like they don't have it listed here. I would say somewhere between three and five million is his market value. So, you know, do you want to go younger and use a minimum contract? Do you want to draft a kicker late later in the, you know, in the draft? You know, when I say later, anywhere from the fourth to seventh round. And, and by taking a kicker, you get that four-year minimum contract, essentially taking one that late with a rookie kicker, uh, who's probably you would have the pick of the litter for the uh the best. Uh, kicker coming out of college football. Now I know people cringe when you talk about drafting a punter or a kicker, but you know some things are worth doing, right? It would be tough to see Mason Crosby walk, so I kind of feel like his future hinges on Aaron Rodgers as well. They probably got a game plan in place to make an offer to Mason. If Mason walks in free agency, um, I think he'll get the money he's looking for because teams will look at the accuracy. I mean, you you see teams all across the league that just want a kicker that can make those chip shots, right? And Mason proved he could do that last year. Now, granted, he won't have Pat O'Donnell holding, and it'll be a whole new operation, and who knows how deep that special teams problem runs on said team because we've seen it here in Green Bay for so long. You know, I minimized it forever, and it finally was just like, holy cow, man, this is this is literally – it's decayed to a point where it's you, – you can't do the simplest things in the kicking game, right? So um, I almost view Mason, uh, Pat O'Donnell, and Jack Coco – I don't want to say quite to that Keyshawn Nixon level, but the fact that the special team stabilized, right? Um, and I know we had punts blocked. That more or less fell on Dallin Levitt from time to time. To me, it seemed like that personal protection, the P, you know, PP, what they call them um, there in the punt game, was really what broke down. So maybe you upgrade there at that spot. But, um, you know, you kicker's one of those positions, unless you've got a Justin Tucker, unless you've got someone who's a – true game changer you can't really justify paying over five million dollars for him that's just my opinion so i hope mason's back in green and gold we should find out i think some of this stuff will start to fall in place when aaron makes his decision and you'll start to see moves take place like we said here in mid-february probably around anywhere from february 15th to the 25th you might start to see restructure start to take place and uh, with that being said, we're going to get into some restructure options in the running back room here in just a second. First, I just want to give a quick update on Rich Passaccia. You know, we talked about it on the last episode, kind of concerned about Rich Passaccia possibly getting the head coaching job in Indianapolis. Um, if he does get the head coaching job there, you know he's going to make a, a run at taking Keyshawn Nixon with him. And not that the Packers couldn't re-sign Keyshawn Nixon, but Keyshawn Nixon and Rich Passaccia are very close. They have a very, very uh, – very close bond there from, you know, coach to player. They talk uh, on a regular basis. It was Rich's idea to bring Keyshawn Nixon in. He knew that's a – we're rebuilding the special teams, and that's the guy I want to start with, whether it's gunning on kicks, whether it – you know, whatever it may be, this guy is a key special teams player, and he's just – he's a football player, right? He's just a baller. Um, so he called that out. It wasn't Matt LaFleur. It wasn't Brian Gutekunst, although you got to give Brian Gutekunst credit for um, being willing to listen to Rich Passaccia and take his uh, – his advice, you know, into consideration on signing Keyshawn Nixon.
Jackson, as well as, you know, Matt LaFleur making the hire for Rich Passaccia. I love that they went through the book. So the update on Rich Passaccia is I heard there were two candidates ahead of him, and I said at least two candidates ahead of him. And that was Wink Martindale, Don Martindale, you know, the the former uh, uh, defensive coordinator, um, I think with the Ravens, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I believe that's right. Did the Ravens or the Giants? Anyway, um, he was in the running, and there was one other one that that oh Jeff Saturday, their their interim head coach. It sounds like Jeff Ursay or uh, um, yeah Ursay really really likes Saturday. Okay, so I don't know if he'll stick with uh, Jeff Saturday or not. I heard that those are the two candidates that were in front of Rich Passaccia. Another guy chimed in and said, no, actually there's five candidates in front of Rich Passaccia. So it sounds like he's sliding down that list now, at least just from rumors. You know, keep your fingers crossed. Anything can happen. I would not be surprised if Jim Ursay pops up and, and they uh, they sign Rich Passaccia. I think Passaccia is a leader of men, and um, he would make a great head coach. I really do. So let's hope he returns. Just want to give that update. It sounds like things are looking better and better for Rich Passaccia to return to Green Bay. Now, you never know. A college team may swoop in and say, how much are you making in Green Bay? Cool, we'll pay you more than that, right? As a special teams coordinator, we'll pay you more than that, and you can be the head coach uh, and and run the show here at a college program. That could happen. Now, Rich has been in the league for so long, I'm not, I don't see him specifically being interested in coaching college, but I could be wrong, you know? So just something to keep our, keep our eye on there. Now, let's move on to the running back room. This is the, uh, this is the exciting part. I love talking numbers. I love talking future. Um, it's really cool to kind of break things down and say, okay, which which direction will they go in? Guys, keep in mind, I'm not going to sit here. You're never going to hear me go, Packers are stupid for doing this. They need to go in this direction. I may give my opinion and go, this is what I'd like to see. But you're never going to hear me pretend like I know more than Brian Gutekunst, Russ Ball, anybody like that. You know, it cracks me up that some people, you know, they credit Russ Ball a lot. They're like, man, he can really work the magic. And I've had some people that are like, this guy doesn't have a clue what he's doing. Like, bro, show me your bank account. Okay, show me your bank account. Oh, you don't want to show me your bank account. Okay, but you think you understand finances better than Russ Ball? <laughs> what are we talking about? I know I don't. I'll be the first to tell you. But we're going to try to jump into the running back room here and see if we can figure it out. So first things first, the elephant in the room, Aaron Jones. I want to say this about Aaron Jones. You're not going to find a classier football player someone who is more team-oriented. He was voted a team captain. He's a guy that plays hurt constantly. He's, people say, he's always hurt. Do you look at what the guy does? I mean, you run between the trenches and get drilled, you know, in the in the freaking chest over and over by 320-pound linemen, and then you can split out wide and run a Dino, right? Run, run a whatever, you know. It, it's like, come on. His body is – it's getting really, really, uh, you know, stressed and stretched thin every single year. It is what it is, right? So I'm not going to look – I don't look at a player limping on the field or having to come off because he's banged up as, oh, what a week, what a week, you know, whatever. I almost said a few things that probably would have got me in trouble, but I don't look at him that way. I look at it like, man, that dude's out there battling, man. He's putting his freaking body on the line. He's, he's doing everything he can for his teammates. Like, I don't understand the person that's sitting on the couch drinking a, a cold beer, eating pretzel bites, going, look at this loser. He can't even stay on the field. Like, well, come on, let's be real about it. So, Aaron Jones, he's played through injuries, done everything you wanted him to do. He's a class act. He's 
Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee. Seems like every single year, he's just one of those dudes you want representing your organization. His teammates love him. You know, I played the video before. I talked about how Aaron Rodgers impacted his life and told him he believed in him. You're one of my favorite people in this organization. The coaches just rave over him. Um, all those things, right? But when it comes down to dollars and cents, you got to really look at it and go, okay, is this worth it? From our opinion, right? Um, from our side here. Aaron Jones in three is set to have the largest cap hit amongst running backs in the entire National Football League. Now, keep in mind, when free agency hits, that could change, right? Now, I doubt it because typically when free agent when, when a free agent is signed, that first year or two is kind of, you know, uh, structured in a way that the team can, you know, work with that cap hit, meaning it's going to be a little bit lower. That's exactly what we did with Aaron Rodgers when we let him test free agency, then signed him. And at the time, like I said, I had other fans reaching out to me and going, if this is true, man, y'all got to steal a free agency, and we did. I mean, look at the way he's produced. Look at look at the way he's played, right? Now, the way the contract was structured was to be cap hit heavy in year three or four, all right? So we're in year three. So something has got to be done. we got to make a decision. Now, let's look at that. Like I said, he's the largest cap hit in the entire National Football League amongst running backs. He's in first place at $20 million, okay, cap hit. For this year on 2023, He's $20 million on the books. Ezekiel Elliott is second at 16.7. Would you rather have Ezekiel Elliott over Aaron Jones? I know I would not. I would rather have Aaron Jones. Now, three, you know, 3.3 million significantly less, right? Cap hit <clears throat> for one year there. Now that could get adjusted if negotiations take place and they decide to void some years and, and move Ezekiel's money around. But in and third is Derrick Henry at 16.3. Fourth is Alvin Kamara at 16, and then it drops down to Nick Chubb at 14.8. I want to point something out here. Do you think the Green Bay Packers were Super Bowl contenders this year, right? Going into the year, everybody said, yeah, it's amazing how people don't like to look back at their opinion going in. They don't want to take into consideration the injuries. They don't want to take into consideration Aaron Rodgers had a broken thumb. They don't want to take into consideration that David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins were battling ACLs as well as Bob Tunyon. They don't want to take into consideration Devondre Campbell missed significant time. They don't want to take into consideration that Rashawn Gary went on IR. You missed a lot of players, guys, and I'm not making excuses. It is what it is. When you get banged up and your best players aren't on the field, you know, what we always say, when the game's on the line, think player, not play. You can't think player, not play when the guy's not on the field. You know, I don't want to say it doesn't really apply to say you can't make the club in the tub, but it's it's really the same thought process. OK, so with all that being considered, when you look at these teams, Green Bay Packers, by the end of the year, we're not a Super Bowl contender. Dallas Cowboys, not really a Super Bowl contender. I mean, they made a great run. They took some steps forward, but Tennessee, definitely not a Super Bowl contender. New Orleans Saints, definitely not a Super Bowl contender. Cleveland Browns, definitely not a Super Bowl contender. So the five highest cap hits at the running back position um, in the entire NFL, <clears throat> their teams sucked, to be honest. Not really sucked, but weren't legitimate Super Bowl contenders. Anybody can get hot. That's why I'm like, hey, let's get in the playoffs and see what happens. We've seen that in 2010. Um, I just want to point that out. Because, you know, success leaves clues and failure leaves clues as well. You know, that's there's something to be said there. Now, you're probably going, okay, well, we just need to get rid of them. Then we need to reduce that cap hit. Let's talk about the details of the cap hit, okay? Um, first of all, his cap hit this year of $20 million. This is how it's broke down. I'm going to give you three specific numbers. There's other things that, that come into play, like restructure bonus. Really, there's there's four key numbers that are important when you're talking about contracts of players okay 
Typically, the workout bonus in this case, his is 500 grand. It don't really matter. That's so minute. It don't even matter. The uh, guaranteed at signing 770,000 don't really matter. You want to key in on three numbers, four including the cap hit. Cap hit number is most important to me. Now, how is the cap hit broken down? It's broken into five different categories, two of which I just mentioned, but you've also got the three most important base salary, right? That's what's broken down into 17 weeks, and those are game checks. You've got the signing bonus which is basically guaranteed at signing. And then you've got the roster bonus, which is a bonus they'll get week one of the season. If they're on the roster, they get that money in a lump sum, bang, roster bonus, or as it's uh, been agreed upon to be paid out. Okay, so Aaron Jones of 2023, base salary, $8.1 million. Signing bonus, $3.2 million. Roster bonus, $7.4 million. All right, so that's how it's broke down. When we talk about restructuring deals, you can take the base salary, and the roster bonus, and you can convert that to signing bonus, and then that money that you converted can be spread out over the duration of the contract. It can be moved up. It can be moved back, all that stuff. When Aaron Jones was signed to this deal, they originally put two voided years on the backside at 770K, right? Not worried about the 770K. That is chump change. But why do I mention that? When this deal took place, I remember telling those guys, it's obvious what the Packers' plan is. They want to tack on two two, vo two voidable years on the backside of that contract so they can spread out that cap hit. Now, my buddy Willie responded with, man, that makes no sense to me. I don't know why they make it so difficult to understand how contracts work, blah, blah, blah. At the time, I wasn't completely, you know, didn't completely understand it. But, you know, over time, you you see so many deals get reworked, you begin to understand and learn how it, how it operates, right? So what they did was tacked on two, two voidable years, 2025 and 2026. He's not on the roster, but the structure, the skeleton of that contract is in place to move money out. OK, so essentially what you've got, first of all, I want to mention this. The cap hit this year is 20 million. Next year, it drops down to 16 million. OK, so you really want to focus on this year. And then in 2024, when he turns 30 at that 16 million, he is not going to be the largest cap hit. So you're absorbing the majority of the hit in 2023. So if you keep if you cut him outright, basically what's going to happen is you're going to free up 10 million dollars, you know, give or take a, a couple hundred G's. OK, so. Why would we cut him and have a $10 million cap hit this year and he's still at the top of his game, averaging over five yards a carry? He's he's hands down the most productive player on offense last year, okay? He was our best player on offense. So do we want to just cut him loose and take a cap hit? Guys, that's the epitome of buying high and selling low. In any kind of business endeavor, whether it's sports management or any kind of traditional business, you want to buy low and sell high. Right. Well, you could trade him for a third round pick. Guys, I could give two rats. You know what about in the hobby? It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan Love card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark until now. Introducing slab packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. 
Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know, third round picks. I'm sorry. I don't I don't care about I want to put the winning product on the field, right? And then his contract expires when he turns 31. He, 30 years old will be his last year on his deal. We know that at 30 years. Typically, running backs start to kind of dwindle down, right? He knows that too. He understands that. He loves Green Bay. So you can go a, a different, you can take a multitude of uh, approaches when it comes to this contract and, and dealing with Aaron Jones, right? So essentially, you've got 8.1 in base salary, you've got 7.4 in roster bonus. So you have roughly, let's just call it 15 million for easy math that you could free up this year, meaning you could take you could take that roster bonus and everything but a minimum base salary that the CBA has agreed on, convert that to roster bonus and split it up over the over the final two years there in 2025 and 2026. You can even spread it out over 2024 if you want, but again, $16 million in cap hit in 2024. Whatever you restructure, you'll probably put on 2025 and 2026. So with that being said, you take that $15 million, Let's Let's just do half of it, okay? First of all, the first step would be renegotiation. I would go to Aaron Jones and go, Aaron, here's the deal, man. You're going to be on our roster. We want you here. You're going to be here, period, case closed. We're not getting rid of you. We're not cutting you. We're not trading you. You're a leader on this team. You've done so much for this organization. Now, keep in mind the type of person Aaron Jones is coming from a military family background, both his mom and his dad. He's very loyal. He's very family-oriented. He loves everything about Green Bay. You make sure he knows up front, and this is People Skills 101. You don't just go in and go, hey, man, you willing to renegotiate your deal? He's going to go, damn, they don't even appreciate me that much. They're going to ask me to take a pay cut? No. You go in and you let him know right off the bat, you're on this roster regardless, okay? Now, we want to present you the idea of, hey, look, if you renegotiate, you know, would you be willing to take a pay cut? We know you're worth every cent and more, right? Now, he would probably respond with, no, I don't want to take a pay cut. Hey, completely agree, man. We respect you enough that you've earned that money. So here's what we're going to do. Then you move on to plan B. Who knows? He may say, well, how much you need? 
you know, if we could shave two or three million dollars in cap hit off of this year, that would help a lot. You already got the structure in place for your voidable years. What if we, you know, rather than rather there be an option where we could cut you next year and free up eleven million in base salary alone? What if we said, hey, look, let's renegotiate, let's shave two million off the overall deal, but let's give you two million in guaranteed money right now. You could do that. There's little ways you can, and you could take that number from two to five. There's little things you can do like that to make it worth his while in a renegotiation. If he comes out this year and he gets annihilated, gets hurt, and he can't return for 2024, then he loses out on all that $11 million base uh, uh, base salary. So you can kind of let him know this, almost look at it like an insurance deal. Like, hey, look, man, we'll guarantee $2 million more if you'll take $2 million off. You're reducing risk there as you're getting older and, and these injuries are piling up. That's one way of handling it. Now, let's pretend like that hypothetical doesn't even exist, right? Okay, that's not an option. Renegotiation, everything's going to stay in place. So here's what you can do. You go to the two voidable years that are already intact, 2025 and 2026. Let's say we took $8 million. So let's say that we took all of the roster bonus, okay, because we know he's going to make the roster. Everybody knows that. He was the best player on offense. There's no chance that he's just going to completely decline that he's not better than the fourth string running back, okay? So we're going to take all that roster bonus, the 7.4, assuming we could, plus another mil off of the base salary, making it $8 million, and we're going to tack that onto the voidable years in 2025 and 2026, meaning he'll have a cap hit on 2025 of $4 million and $4 million in 2026. Now what you've done, it shaved $8 million off of the cap for 2023, and in 2023, now your cap hit goes down to your only $10 million over the cap as it sits right now. That's before Aaron Rodgers' decision, meaning if Aaron Rodgers decides to retire, you're now $6 million in the plus. According to Spotrack, maybe a little bit different from over the cap. Over the cap. Um, so you could do that. Plus, you've got David Bakhtiari that we know something's going to get restructured. This is a part – of that $40 million in quote-unquote simple restructures that I've mentioned all along and told everybody, don't buy into the doom and gloom, okay? Well, this is going to catch up to us. We've covered this. You said the same freaking thing about Zadarius Smith. It didn't catch up to us last year. He's completely off the books. They said the same exact thing with Drew Brees. It didn't catch up to him. I laid out all the cap hits. How many players were over $20 million in cap hits on the Saints roster? It had nothing to do with Drew Brees. It had everything to do with the roster evaluation, the coaching, and how you utilize the talent. Now, one thing that does stand out is the price of Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara, you ain't heard much from him here lately, right? Because teams have caught on. That's just me personally. That's, that's what I feel like has happened with Alvin Kamara. Um, so, with all that being said, you tack on the two voidable years. You free up $8 million this year. You're a step in the right direction. And here's what's cool, too. When 2024 runs out and the contract expires – You've got those that money already allocated. You could go to him and go test the market. Let's say he goes test the market and comes back, and, man, the, the best offer I got was $3 million. Okay, cool. We'll give you three and a half. Now he's on the roster for 2025 if, he, if indeed he's healthy, and you take the three and a half that you just gave him uh, on top of the $4 million. Now you've got a dynamic player still on your roster with only a $7.5 million cap hit because we know when he hits free agency at the age of 31 in 2025, there's not going to be teams lined up around the corner ready to sign a running back like that, right? So you're going to have the leverage in your ballpark. This contract was structured perfectly by Russ Ball and Brian Gutekunst, in my opinion. It really was. Now, if you could say we don't need to spend that much money on the running back position, I understand and can respect that that standpoint. And we're going to wrap up the running back room talk with some numbers around the league to kind of point out the pros and cons of having 
a very expensive running back room. We'll get to that in a minute. So that's Aaron Jones. He's under contract through 2024. I don't think they should release him. I don't think they're going to release him. I don't think I don't think they should trade him. I don't think they're going to trade him. I think he'll be on the roster at least through 2024, and they'll probably be either a renegoti- renegotiation and or uh, converting or roster restructure to where you could take some of this base salary and roster bonus, convert it over, and push it to uh, 2025 and 2026. So that's kind of how I see that. Let's move on to the next guy, which is A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon's a fan favorite, man. I've got to be 100% honest. Um, my my A.J. Dillon stock went down quite a bit this past year. I've seen a lot of drop passes. I've seen a lot of blown blocking assignments. You know, that last interception against Detroit, guys, Matt LaFleur said – yeah, our blocking broke down. Somebody missed a blocking assignment. Aaron kind of alluded to it. Nobody said a specific name. You go watch the tape, and it's like it's like seeing a camel walk down Main Street here in Tennessee. I mean, it's that's out of place. You you literally see the dog blitz, the delayed blitz in the middle, right, with the mic, fires on a little loop blitz. A.J. Dillon slides completely to the left. Aaron's got a defender in his face, and and all he has time to do on a third and ten is go. Christian's out there. Let's see if we can give him a jump ball. Didn't get enough on it, right? Shouldn't have. I, hindsight's twenty twenty. I wish Aaron thrown the ball away. That's a mistake on Aaron's part, but it's also a mistake on AJ Dillon's part. And you've seen that over and over this year. So going into the season, I probably would have graded AJ Dillon out as like an A minus in my book. By the end of the season, kind of reevaluating. I'm simply talking about not not just his performance overall in the year. How do we view him on the roster? How important is he? I would say he's somewhere around a flat B now. So his, he's in the last year of his rookie deal, right? So he's going to be up for a contract next year. Um, you know, it, basically his calculated market value is sitting at $7.1 million annually, all right? Is he worth $7.1 million annually against the cap? That's what you got to ask yourself. Is a, in my opinion, I'm not saying you have to agree with it, a B running back worth $7.1 million. Now, you also got to take into consideration what's his role. You know, we paid Aaron Jones all of that money because Aaron Jones not only is effective in the running game, but also the passing game. He can split out wide. We've had A.J. Dillon split out wide, but you're not going to see him run an X shallow or an X slant or an X Dino like you do Christian McCaffrey. It's just not going to happen. It's more or less a catch him in a personnel package, split him out wide, don't even look at him. Let's go to a different concept here, right? That's kind of the role he played there. Now, $7 million is significantly less than the $16 million, right, that Aaron Jones is going to be making next year before any restructures, renegotiations, or anything. Right. I mean, that's that's a big difference. You're talking about a nine million dollar difference. So is A.J. Dillon worth seven point one million? It's tough. It really is. It's a tough decision because if if you decide to not re-sign A.J. Right. If you decide to not go that route, then you're going to essentially save yourself that money, that seven million in twenty twenty four. Okay, so now what you'll have Aaron Jones's cap hit is sixteen million. You'll drop down in the rankings. Um, as far as the running back position across the league. Now, he is 24 years old, A.J. Dillon, so th- the 30-year mark isn't going to come into play. I think what makes the most sense for A.J. Dillon, and it breaks my heart because I like the dude, man. I love everything he represents. First of all, he may be willing to give Green Bay a hometown discount because that dude loves Door County. 
he loves everything that Green Bay represents, right? So you probably go to him this year and go, man, what are we thinking? You know, you could get hurt and lose out on everything. This is the same talk that we talked about with Rudy Ford. You know, Rudy Ford, when his stock was was the lowest it's ever been, and then he had two great games according to PFF, it was like, man, swoop in there and give him some guaranteed money. When it comes to A.J. Dillon this year, not a whole lot of guaranteed money, any if any at all. I don't have his deal pulled up from this year, nor am I going to take the time to to go look for it. But you go to him and say, hey, man, what do you think of a four-year extension? And let's say rather than the $7 million, let's say you go for $5 million. Let's say a $20 million extension, and we'll guarantee $12 million of it. That gives you some room to move that cap hit around over the next four years. And is he worth it at $5 million? I think he is. I would be willing to pay $5 million. You let him test the market, he may come back with even lesser offer. He may come back and say, man, I only got $4 million. Right? I doubt that. I really do because we know there are teams out there that are willing to overpay for any position. It's just it's mind-boggling some of the some of the decisions that are made, especially like at wide receiver. Uh, you know, I don't want to get too far off topic, but there's rumors coming out that people are reporting multiple sources, and they're having you get these different people reporting the same exact thing, and one's blaming the other for stealing his tweet and this and that. I had this happen to me earlier in the year. I broke down some numbers on Aaron Jones and was like, man, who does he compare to? Holy cow, he compares to these two players. And another guy approached me and said, oh, you stole that out. Look at my tweet right here. You got that off of me. No, bro, I didn't. Yeah, I'm sorry, but you don't have rights to numbers. <laughs> and if you're worried about my little bitty Twitter account, Trump and yours, then, bro, you've got some serious self-issue problems. I'm a Packer fan out here sharing numbers with other Packer fans. I'm not worried about your career on Twitter, okay? Just me personally. But anyway, A.J. Dillon, fair market value 7.1. That's going to be very, very interesting to see how that unfolds. So that's how I would approach it. I'm not saying it's the right way. I'm just saying that's my opinion. I would go to him, try to get an extension done, shooting for that $5 million annual mark. If he says, no way, I want to hit free agency, let him test free agency. And then, you know, if he gets a higher offer, you move on. Because we've seen this, guys. The Packers aren't willing to pay running backs who are just simply running backs. A dynamic player like Aaron Jones, they broke the mold, man. They said, hey, look, you know what? This is going to be worth extending. We talk about how cheap the wide receiver room is. This is why, because they looked at Aaron Jones as another receiving threat. Now, teams, we didn't catch teams off guard with that this year, and nor should we have, right? But we all had high hopes that Aaron Jones was going to be a much bigger factor in the in the uh, passing game. It just didn't happen. There was a multitude of reasons for that. That's a podcast for another day. Let's move on to the rest of the running back room. Rest of the running back room, you've got Aaron Jones. This is this is uh, for 2023, this calendar year. <clears throat> Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Patrick Taylor, Tyler Goodson. Now, I think that's your running back room for 2023. I, the only way I see them adding something to that is if they've made a decision that A.J. Dillon will not be on the roster next year and they think it's worth it that if a running back, a dynamic running back, drops in the draft, they could go draft him later in the year and that could potentially replace A.J. Dillon if they let him walk in free agency. That could play a role. But Patrick Taylor, man, that guy, he showed flashes this year. That was a guy that pass blocking, the big play to Mercedes Lewis, the two-window wheel route right, that he ran against Miami, where Aaron dodged the defender, rolled left and threw sidearm around another defender and hit, you know, Mercedes Lewis with the diving catch down the sideline there, one of the biggest, if not the most important plays of that Christmas Day Miami Dolphins game. Um, if you watch that play, Patrick Taylor makes a key block. 
And it's a block that he slid left, kept his head on swivel, quick jab step back inside, bang, knocked the guy off track, gave Aaron a window to be able to create separation and make that throw, right? A.J. Dillon completely whiffed on a block, like we said there against Detroit, where it couldn't have been teed up any better. They didn't do anything exotic. He just didn't stay at home. And you've got to know box on the left. If anything, I'm helping the right side, right? So, and and you cannot you cannot say Aaron didn't identify the mic right. Maybe he identified the mic and AJ didn't get it. Nonetheless, it's still a mistake. But the only mic that could have been in the play is the guy who ended up firing on a blitz, and AJ Dillon was nowhere in the vicinity to make that block. It's on it's on AJ. There's no two ways about it. Patrick Taylor probably makes that block. But Patrick Taylor doesn't run the football like A.J. Dillon, right, between the tackles. I mean, it is what it is. So it's Patrick Taylor's last year on his deal. So when you look at 2024, your running back room is set right now. Aaron Jones um, will be back. A.J. Dillon is not under contract. Patrick Taylor is not under contract. you got Tyler Goodson. Some would say that Tyler Goodson is not worthy of a 53-man roster spot consistently. I can respect that opinion. I personally like Tyler Goodson. I've seen what he's brought to the table. You got a minimum cap hit of seven hundred fifty thousand, right? Um, I think he's your insurance policy is really what it comes down to. I think Patrick Taylor, you let him test free agency. If you come back and you can give him a minimum contract, then awesome. You know, uh, the running back market's going to be somewhat saturated, so there's a good possibility that Patrick Taylor won't get any offers, if any at all, right? So um, he'll get minimum, if any at all, I should say. So. You might be able to get him back on a minimum. You got Tyler Goodson on a minimum. You let A.J. Dillon walk or you resign A.J. Dillon, your running back room set. But it's going to come down to how much do the Packers, Russ Ball, Brian Gutekunst, and A.J. Dillon's agent, how close are they in renegotiations? How close are they on that annual average hit, right? And is A.J. Dillon willing to take a little less to stay in Green Bay, right? So – I could see them drafting a running back, but it's all going to come to best player available. And this is what we mean by that, guys. If if a top-tier running back drops to the Green Bay Packers, they'll take him, right? Now, we've seen in the past Ted Thompson really shot away from taking running backs in the first round, and rightfully so, seeing that you know he shot away from Eddie Lacy and then, bang, took him later on, I think, in the second round. Ended up, I can't remember if he traded back up or traded back. I think he traded back twice, avoiding him, and then ended up taking Eddie Lacy. Now, with Eddie Lacy – would you say that A.J. Dillon's a better running back than Eddie Lacy? Immediately people were going, well, he's a lot skinnier. I'm not here to body shame anybody. We know the weight contributed. But I wouldn't say that A.J. Dillon was a better running back than Eddie Lacy, would you? I mean, Eddie Lacy was dynamic. That dude that dude was fun to watch. I remember when he came on the scene. It was like, we got us a running back, man. We got us a running game. Heck, yeah. And credit to uh, Coach Mike McCarthy for leaning on the run a little bit, you know what I mean, and kind of using them in those spreads. That's why I love the the West Coast spread offenses. It spreads everything out so much, and you get a bruiser like that, man. You get one or two defenders on an island in the middle of the field, and you run a draw play. Holy cow, they do not want to tackle that guy, right? Um, so I say that because we didn't even extend Eddie Lacy. It could have been the weight issues. It could have been, right? could have been the you know the fact that he was undisciplined in that regard of his, his game, but – you know, what makes us think we would re-sign A.J. Dillon if we weren't, wasn't willing to re-sign Eddie Lacy? Now, you may be listening to this going, you're crazy, Clayton. A.J. Dillon's a much better running back. Hey, I can respect that opinion. You may be right. I'm not saying I'm I'm, I'm right and you're wrong, right? I'm not saying it at all. It's just something to think about. You try to draw these parallels and what have they done in the past. And I know at the time it was Ted Thompson and now it's Brian Gutekunst, but Brian Gutekunst was brought up in Ted Thompson's system and he Ted Thompson was basically his mentor. 
all those things, you know. So um, I think things can kind of come full circle. But that's how the running back room sits right now. Salary cap-wise, future-wise, those are the things that you, you're going to be wanting to look at as far as what may take place. So the key takeaways for me, guys, there's money to be moved around with Aaron Jones. They've already got the structure of the contract in place with avoidable years. That's probably the game plan. Try a renegotiation to make it to give him some guaranteed money and make it make sense for him. If that don't work, okay, cool. Then uh, we'll just uh, we'll convert some of this base salary and roster bonus to signing bonus. Tack that onto the voidable years, and it won't even be a factor. You keep your most dynamic player on offense, and the doom and gloomers once again are incorrect. <laughs> now, is there a chance that they go? Nope, it ain't worth it. We cut them loose. Absolutely. Never say never, but never. Right. Same same thing I've said about Aaron Rodgers. I don't think he's being traded, but never say never. I could be wrong on that. That's just my opinion. And my opinion doesn't outweigh anybody else's. Any, you know, any it's not as it's not more important than anyone else's just because you hear my voice and you're not doing a podcast. Anybody can do what I do. I'm a buffoon on here just talking football, talking about the team I love. So that's how the running back room kind of lays out. Now let's talk nationally here across the league. How does it rank out? Um, I, I ran some numbers because some people, well, the best teams aren't spending money on running backs. That is true if you go to the top two teams that are left, but there's also playoff teams, right, and teams that were in playoff contention that have high cap numbers. But I do want to point it out because it's a fair argument. The Chiefs in 2022, their running back room was ranked 26 in the NFL. When I say ranked 26, they they were the 26th most expensive in the running back position, meaning they were way down the list. They spent, you know, there were only what, what would that be, six teams in the entire NFL that spent more money or spent less money on running backs in 2022. The Eagles, who were playing them in the Super Bowl, which I hope the Eagles boat race the Chiefs. I don't know, man. I just – I, the Chiefs have wrong for a long. The, the fact that they're trying to play this underdog card just cracks me up. And I want to say something about Mahomes here. I don't understand how that guy, he's playing on this hurt ankle, right? He limps everywhere, limps everywhere. The ball snaps. As soon as the ball snapped, it's just like, bang, he's full speed, sprints to the sideline, skates the sidelines, draw a personal foul. Then all of a sudden he's hurt again. It's like, these little brief moments, he goes from being, I can barely stand on this ankle to somebody said it best on Twitter. They said, Mahomes' new touchdown celebration is to scramble around as if he's completely healthy. And the second the play's over and the touchdown scored, pretend like his leg's falling off. It just, it cracked me up. I think there's a little bit of showsmanship going on there. And I love everything that Jalen Hurts represents. I think Jalen Hurts is, uh, um, I don't, I don't, like completely dislike Mahomes. It's just he's done and said some things in the past really rubbed me the wrong way. And Jalen Hurts is just one of those quiet leaders, man. He you could tell he's just a leader of men. He's just he's he just, you know, grind them out type of player. His teammates respect him. The coaching staff loves him. I hope that guy gets every cent that's coming to him because we need I look at him as a quarterback and I go, man, that quiet, that quiet leadership. I want to see that in the league for the next 15 years. And I'm a Packer fan. I want the Packers to beat the Eagles 110% of the times that they play them, right? But I just, I'd like to see Jalen Hurts get him a Super Bowl ring. I think that'd be very exciting. So um, the Eagles, though, 21st in running back salary 
uh, cap hit in 2022. So the two teams playing in the Super Bowl were 26th and 21st as far as money spent on the running back room. That's pretty impressive. You know, that's success leaves clues, right? So they're going in that direction. That's what also kind of makes me think, all right, we knew Aaron Jones was dynamic. He's still the best player on offense for us. He can uh, attack in the in the running game and the passing game. That's an important trait. A.J. Dillon doesn't have that. Let's fix this running back room now. Maybe we don't re-sign A.J. Dillon. Maybe we're a little less aggressive. That's why I was saying just the $5 million. That might be a good, happy medium. Fair market value, calculated market value, I should say, $7.1 million. We come in at five. If they try to meet at six, I'm not willing to go higher than five. You might want to come in at four. You risk ticking them off. But let's get the running back room salary recap situation back where we had it when our offense really dominated in the league. Now, I know Mike McCarthy's not walking back through that door, and some of you are saying, thank God. I, I got you, man. I, com I completely understand how he went stale. People went stale on him, right? But, uh, yeah, so that's uh, – in 2023, the Chiefs are 23rd and the Eagles are 30th. So keep that in mind. So they're trending in that direction. Do you want to follow the trend? Probably be a good idea. All that stuff, guys, it matters. It absolutely matters when you're determining whether you're going to re-sign somebody or not. A lot of people are focused just on 2023. We're already looking ahead to 2024 because that's what's going to dictate and determine who we re-sign this year. And uh, that's kind of how I see the running back room breaking down. I think you keep Aaron Jones. You try to you try to re-sign AJ Dillon at a at a team friendly price, and with the understanding that hey, look, you know, if you think you can get more on the market, go test the market, and then at that time we'll decide does it make sense for us to to outbid the market and bring him back. That's always an option as well. Success leaves clues, right? History repeats itself. All those things. That's exactly what we did with Aaron Jones. We didn't go in and break the bank with a re-signing, you know, for a deal. We let him test the market and then said, okay, well, we can structure it in a way where this much is guaranteed, where that team maybe was just focusing on base salary and roster bonus, right? Meaning it's not fully guaranteed at signing. So that's kind of how I see the running back room, man. I think uh, I think just like we said all along, you're probably going to see some stuff take place uh, here come mid-February. You're going to see some restructures start to fall into place and things like that. Um, yeah. That's uh that's what I think we've got going coming up. So be kind of on the lookout. Starting February fifteenth, have your radars up. All right, man. We're gonna see some deals start to get restructured. Things start to fall into place, and we'll kind of get an idea of what direction the Packers are going in. If Aaron retires, I don't think they bring back Cobb. I think they probably let Mason test free agency. And you're gonna see this mini. It's not a rebuild. It's a retool, is the way I look at it. You're gonna let some of the some of the aging parts walk, right? And who knows, you know, if Aaron retires and Cobby is gone, right, and then you've got Bob Tunyon testing the market, Mason Crosby testing the market, all these people testing the market, let's focus on those Tier 1 players that we mentioned the other day, right? Let's, let's land the Tier 1 players. This is if Aaron retires. Keyshawn Nixon, Rudy Ford, and then you got Mason Crosby and Randall Cobb. Let them test the market. Let Mason Crosby and Randall Cobb test the market. Of course, I don't think Cobb's coming back if Aaron retires. So in that scenario, I wouldn't consider him tier one. He was tier one for me if Aaron does come back because I thought Cobb was arguably our second best receiver on the roster. And, yes, I mean that even more than Alan Lazard. The I'm sorry, I, I got into that source off talking about on a rant didn't even give the numbers. Alan Lazard, the, the rumor was he's seeking 15 to $20 million per year. Okay, 
No way, shape, or form we're going to play it, pay that in Green Bay. If he can get that elsewhere, dude, big guy, go get your freaking money, man. Go get paid and change the whole outcome of your, your family's future, right? But he goes and tests the market. He comes back and says, man, the best market, the best offer I got was $7 million. Now you get a decision to make. Do we want to bring him back for that much, right? And if Aaron's coming back, you, you may see them budge a little bit and bring back Alan Lazard or Bob Tunyon. But let these guys test the market and then see if it makes sense to re-sign them at a, at a cheaper rate. You, they may go to the market and it not be there, and you come off even better than if you just try to sign, sign them to an extension. That's where it gets very interesting because feelings might have been hurt, especially feelings may get hurt when they come back and go, man, I was actually worth less than I thought. Okay, well, we'll pay you that. We're not going to pay you the original offer. That's business, man. That's the uh, – that's the price you pay to uh, to be a little bit aggressive. And really, man, business and finances in general, it's just risk management. It's, okay, is it worth it to risk better in my finances or better in the team's finances, the business's finances in this specific situation? No risk it, no biscuit. But if you risk too much, you're going to be sleeping in the ditch. So you've got to know how to handle risk management. And that's what I love about breaking down the contractual aspect the front office of, of pro football. It's just, it's really cool, man. The storylines that are created, it's absolutely awesome. So we're going to get out of here, guys. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for uh, making us a part of your day and hanging out with us. Hopefully this made sense. Um, we're going to get this out to you. Um, it's Saturday right now. We're going to get out to you by noon central, one Eastern time. So it'll be live. So you guys can check out here while you're, um, if you're, if you're crazy enough to grill out in the cold, I know it's 19 degrees down here in Tennessee today. We got Chinese spy balloons floating over top. I'm hoping one of my neighbors don't shoot it down. Um, it could get ugly. <laughs> it's a different state out here. Tennessee, Texas, it's a little bit different. Um, these people, uh, they take a lot of pride in protecting their family and protecting their neighbors. I wouldn't, man, I wouldn't rather live anywhere else. This place is awesome. We've got people coming here by the droves, and rightfully so. And they're always told when they move in, man, hey, Everybody's welcome. We've got people coming in from New York, Massachusetts, California, all these different places from all over the country. When they move in, I love asking them, "Why? what brought you to Tennessee? The answer is almost unanimous every time. I'm telling you guys, it's blowing up here in this small little town where we're at. And they always say every time, those people have lost their damn minds. That's what they always respond with. And this is what we say. Hey, welcome to the neighborhood. When you move in here, you might as well be a uh, you know, part of our extended family, but just understand you left the place for a reason. Don't bring it here. We take care of one another here. We're not out to create division. We don't see race. We don't see any of that. If you're a human being, you're a human being. It's that simple. And we take care of one another. It's a uh, very, very blessed to live where we live for sure. And I, I know I have several Tennessee uh, friends that connected with me, uh, you know, football friends, I should say on Twitter, just through the podcast and, uh, they they uh, they say the same thing, man. We uh, absolutely love these people and love everything that the area represents, just community and take care of one another. So, all right. That being said, appreciate you guys and your time. Hope you hopefully you enjoy this. You're out there grilling in 18, 19 degree weather. Good luck with that. Try to avoid the balloon. And uh, everybody, take care. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. Go pack, go. On the fake, Rogers lets it fly. Has Watson. He's got it. That might be the biggest catch of this young receiver's career. Christian Watson, you can see him, it's just crap.
speed, his ability to get behind the defense. It's just a matter of can he catch it. That's a great job tracking the ball. He just took a big sigh of relief. Look at his buddies greeting him on the sideline, man. That's got to feel good.